0: I know what it's like, you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you believe in Him, but you're really not following Him satan comes and says oh man if you really follow jesus he's just going to give you like the lowest common denominator like you're just going to skid through life everything that you hate's going to have have happened i love when people say to me they say oh you know i don't really want to follow jesus because he's going to make me a missionary in x culture whatever the most horrific place in the world you can think of as if god is just like waiting to screw your life up for you you know like god's just like
1: oh you're gonna follow me oh you hate spiders nice loss of life is never easy, no matter if it's expected or not. It hurts because people were never meant for death. But even though it's a part of life, Jesus intervened. As Pastor Daniel teaches about Jesus, Lazarus, and how death is not what we think, consider a different perspective. God's ways are different than ours. For us, death seems like an ending, but for believers, it's merely a transition into eternity, the epitome of life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I am the resurrection and the life.
0: God, if you're really loving, this is how you'd be as if us understand what really loving really is. Because I don't know about you, I've never had a truly, fully loving day in my life. I've never truly loved somebody with the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. But look at all the ways that God's ways are different. Look at it. We have a number of them here. Look, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we know that Jesus loves them, but God's love is different because then it says in the very next verse, so when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. You can imagine for Mary and Martha and the disciples, they're like, oh, so he loves them, but he ain't going to show up right away. I mean, if you call, if you get sick, really sick, you call the doctor. And if it's on the weekend, you go to urgent care. And if you can't go to urgent care, you go to the emergency room. Why? Because there's a sickness, and this is bad, and we need to get this thing done. And Jesus, the great physician, delays. See, God's ways of loving us is different. God's timing is different. And when you start thinking about God's timing, it's, it's just an amazing thing. How often does God not work on our timetable. And it frustrates us, right? Lord, you needed to do that already. I mean, Lord, don't you know what's at stake here? This is a big deal. And the Lord is silent. He doesn't move in our timetable. And because we live in an efficient, quick culture, we say, man, God must not be there. God's ways are different. God's timing is unique. And we have to learn and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Not on my table, but on your timetable. Because, Lord, your ways are higher. Your thoughts are greater. Not only that, I mean, look at what happens next. And this is kind of one of those things where you're like,
1: wow, wow.
0: Look what happens in verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Finally, two days later, Jesus nonchalantly decides that it's time to go to Judea. Right? And he goes to disciples, okay, let's go. And they're like, dude... Last time we were there, the Jews sought to stone you. And, and you guys know that means, it doesn't mean like they were like going to share a hookah with Jesus. It's like stone them with rocks to kill them, not stone them with marijuana for fun's sake. Right? And they're just like, what are you doing? But Jesus's and God's interpretation of the events of our life is different as well because Look at what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. See, when Jesus is talking about there's 12 hours in the day, it's he's saying, look, I'm about my father's business. And guess what? Nobody can do anything to me unless it is within the father's plans. So he's saying, look, so they're all freaking out. The, the Jews want to kill me? They can't touch me until it's the Father's time. See, Jesus says, God's interpretation of the events of your life and in my life are different. Because oftentimes, for many of us, we have some opposition. And all of a sudden, we're like, okay, how do we fix this? Because opposition is bad, and God is not in opposition. Jesus doesn't do that at all. Jesus says, look, I'm about my Father's business, and no one can do anything to me unless Father lets him. He's talking about, I'm in the light. When I'm walking in the light, nothing can happen. When it's time for darkness, then I'm going to stumble. How many of us have chosen not to go forward with what God has laid on your heart because all of a sudden you're worried that something bad's going to happen? The disciples are trying to dissuade Jesus from going because they don't understand the circumstances, they don't understand what God is doing, they don't understand that Jesus has an appointed hour. And the Jewish leaders can do nothing to him until that appointed time. And the same is true for you and for me. See how all the ways God, he interprets the situation differently. His love is different. His timing is different. God's ideas about healing is different. Look at what happens in verse 11. These things, he said, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. I love these verses here. Because the disciples think, oh, listen, he needs to rest. He's sleeping. Lord, don't go wake him up. But Jesus is like, no, no. And he's going to explain to him, look, he's dead. The dude's dead. But I go to bring him back to life again. Do you realize that God's ideas about healing is different from ours? Our ideas of healing is the absence of anything negative. But God brings life out of negative. See, do you remember the story of Jacob? Remember Jacob, he was a swindler, heel catcher. But then when he's on his way back, he ends up, he's going to run into his brother Esau, who many years earlier they had gone sideways with one another. And he's trying to figure out, how can I make sure Esau doesn't kill me and hold my wives and my family? And he says he's going to give Esau all this stuff. But before he gets to deal with Esau, he has to deal with an angel of the Lord. And Jacob and this angel wrestle all night. And ultimately, the angel just popped him in the hip socket. And Jacob spent the rest of his life walking with a limp. We would not call that healing. But God likes his kids with a limp. Why? Because he also changed his name from the heel catcher to Israel governed by God. See, our ideas of healing and God's ideas of healing are different. Because God's ways are different. And not only that, the way God views death is also different. Because in verse 14, look at what it says. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, I don't know about you, but if you lose a loved one and Jesus says something like this, someone's bound to try and slap him. Listen, I know we're in church and you guys are too holy to think about slapping the Lord. And I know that I'm, I'm pushing the envelope a little bit. But can you imagine someone you love just dies and you're like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. I'm glad for your sakes that he died. Someone's, I, I'm all Italian from New Jersey. Someone's going to get upset at that statement. Like, can you imagine if a pastor goes in to do a funeral service, like, yeah, yeah, so-and-so's dead. I'm glad for your sakes that he's dead. Like, that's a horrific statement, isn't it? And anybody who's ever lost somebody, you hear that, and your skin should crawl a little bit, like, seriously? Like, ser- like, Really? But you notice that Jesus keeps calling it sleeping. You notice that, Right? And you'll get a lot of biblical evidence of the idea that they call death sleeping. Why? Because death is not a permanent state. It is simply you shut your eyes in this life and you enter into eternal life. And for us, because this life is all we know, we hold on and should hold on to this side of eternity. But there is an eternal life awaiting all of us. It's just a matter of how and why. And he calls it sleep because he's saying, listen... This life is not all there is. And I know that's a hard word because no matter when and how the loss of life on this side of eternity happens, it's hard for us because God never created us for death. That was not part of God's original intention. So whether it's my mom at 49 or I had a friend who died of lymphoma when he was 17 years old growing up or whether it's my grandparents who are now pushing into their 90s, whenever that time comes, it's going to hurt. Because we feel the loss because we love. But this life is not all that there is. And God's view of death is different than ours. Because death is the entrance into the fulfillment of life. The eternal life that awaits every single human being. God's ways are different. They're completely different. In all these different ways. But when Jesus says in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. You notice that, right? See, Jesus isn't glad at Lazarus' death. He finds joy in his followers' belief. And then, the end of this verse is crazy. He says, nevertheless, let's go to him. He just said he's dead. And he's like, either way, we're going to go. And at that point... You can imagine at least Peter being like, are you kidding? Like, he's gone. Why are we going? Like, any marketing consultant would like, Jesus, you are just off the rails. I mean, if you would have been there, you could have healed him. And everyone known that who you are. And now he's dead and you're going to go there and ain't nothing you're going to be able to do. But nevertheless, let's go. Let's go to him. And then, verse 16, I love it. I I wanted to pull this verse out on its own for us. Because it says here, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. (laughs) Now, what this teaches us is that you just, you just need to just follow Jesus. It's that simple. Just follow Jesus. Just follow him. Now, It's interesting who says this, because we have Thomas, who's known as the twin. But when I say Thomas, what is the characteristic of Thomas that everybody knows? Doubting Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas gets a pretty bad rap, but right here, Thomas is golden. Because Thomas gets a bad rap, of course, because of John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Do you remember after the resurrection... All the disciples see Jesus alive, except for Thomas. And Thomas is like, listen, okay, you guys are nuts. Unless I get to see Jesus, I get to put my, ha- my hands, I touch his wounds, I won't believe. See, Thomas is a good old-fashioned 21st century American who, I need some evidence. Show me the evidence. I will believe in Jesus if you show me the evidence, right? And you guys know what happens, right? Jesus shows up and says, Thomas... Don't be unbelieving. Come on over here. If you got to be so gross as to touch this stuff, come here. See, see, give me some fish. I'm hungry. Yo tengo mucho hambre. And Thomas believes, right? I know that there's some of you here who you're not following Jesus because you need evidence. We call Thomas doubting Thomas because he needed evidence. But notice, he needed evidence, but God revealed himself. To Thomas So if you're here today And you haven't put your faith and trust Because you need evidence I want you to do something I want you to say God if you're real I want you to reveal yourself to me In a way that I can understand Say God If you are really real And I need evidence God Show me in a way that I can understand Because you know what will happen if you do that God will because God is real. And I know that for sure because that's my story. I remember when I first started exploring things and I and I started reading some of the Bible and all of a sudden I was like, man, if God's really real, I want to know it. If this is real, I want to know it. I'll never forget it. I had someone say, well, you should pray, God, if you're really real, you need to reveal yourself to me in a way that I can understand. And they said, but whatever you need, do, don't pray it if you don't really want to believe in him. They got to get, you know, it's Jersey, so they always, they're going to dig you any way they can, you know. But if you're here today and, you've, and you need some evidence like Thomas, you're, you're like doubting Thomas, like, until I get some evidence, I can't do it. I want you just to pray that prayer. I want you to pray that prayer every day. It takes you five seconds. God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me in a way that I can understand. And you know what's going to happen. God's going to reveal your, himself to you in a way that only you could understand and you will know That he is God. You will know it. That's what happens. But Thomas, he's known as doubting Thomas. But really, that's... Talk about getting a bad rap for one thing. You know what I mean? Like, he's branded as the doubter for that. But here, he's totally devoted. He says, listen, guys. Let's also go. If we die, we die. How many of us are scared... To follow Jesus because you think death awaits you. And I'm talking to those of you who put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because I know what it's like. You put your faith and trust in Jesus and you believe in him, but you're really not following him. Because Satan comes and says, oh man, if you really follow Jesus, he's just going to give you like the lowest common denominator. Like you're just going to skid through life. Everything that you hate's going to ha- have happen. I love when people say to me, they say, oh, you know, I don't really want to follow Jesus because he's going to make me a missionary in X culture, whatever the most horrific place in the world you can think of. As if God is just like waiting to screw your life up for you, you know? Like God's just like, oh, you're going to follow me. Oh, you hate spiders. Nice. We're going to send you to South America, a little hut town, no fly swatters. That's not who God is. That's not who he is. God's not looking just to figure out how he can screw with your life, mess it all up, make it a big mess. But what I have found is that for some of us, God says, come on, I want to follow you. And then he gives you a heart for things you would have never had a heart for. I'm a great example of that. I'm a pastor. God's given me a heart for the church. I hated the church before I got saved. Some of the things that went on when my mother passed away and how that all looked. I actually told a priest off. Literally, in my, in my family driveway, I told him off. I cursed at him. I told him he was a hypocrite. And I went inside and my grandma, very upset with me, very upset with me. What'd you say? I'm like, Grandma, I'm not going to tell you what I said. I was more scared of the retribution of my grandma than I was of the church, you know what I mean? She would have nailed me with a pork chop, you know? And it hurts when your four-foot grandma hits you with a pork chop, you know what I mean? It wounds the spirit, you know? But I was angry. And then I get saved and God's like, oh, No. I love my people. Sure, they're all jacked up, but so are you. Help prepare them for the wedding day. Wow. See, what I've found is that when you start to follow after God and God wants to use you in a certain way, He starts to change your heart that all of a sudden it becomes the most exciting thing in the world. Maybe you hated bugs. All of a sudden you start finding yourself watching the Nature Channel every time a bug special is on. And you start being like, wow, I really like to see one of those. What am I saying? And then before you know it, you're in South America somewhere serving an unknown people group and you got, you got a bug collection. People come down like, let me show you, check out this one. This is a very rare one. <laughs> but God does a whole lot of heart work in you before he sends you in that kind of a direction. See, we need to just follow Jesus. See, you know what's funny about this? Thomas' devotees like, man, if we're going to die, we're going to die. Do they die in this story? No, they don't die till way later. Because, see, they're preparing for the worst common denominator, and none of it's going to happen for a long, long time. He's way off the rails, but he's like, look, if you're going to go out, might as well go out following Jesus, right? There's a whole lot of ways to go out. Might as well go out following the Lord. I like this about Thomas. He shows up a stud in this passage. Come on, let's just, let's go with the Lord. Let's just go. And I think we all need to find that kind of naivety with Jesus. Just, just go with him. If Jesus comes on, okay, let's go. And we'll let the chips fall where they may. Now, look what happens in verse 17. It says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Verse 18, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, in verse 25, we get our I am statement. This fifth one in John's Gospel, which teaches us that Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. That's who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. Now look at the lead-up. Jesus shows up in Bethany. Lazarus has already been dead for four days. So we know that Jesus delayed two days. So by the time he gets there, like, it's almost like as if they, right as they sent to find Jesus, Lazarus died very quickly thereafter. And when he shows up, Lazarus has already been gone for four days. And in Jewish culture, because death was not part of God's plan, they would have mourners who would come. You can read in the rabbinical writings, the Mishnah, about how even for the poorest families, they should have two flautists and a mourner to mourn the loss of someone's life. And so all these people are there, and Jesus shows up, and sure enough, right as Jesus is coming into town, Martha hears it, and she gets up and she bolts out of the house, but Mary's still sitting in the house. Now that's appropriate for their personalities, isn't it? Martha's a go-getter. She's a mover and a shaker, and Mary's a more quiet, contemplative sort. Martha hears Jesus come, and she goes right to meet him, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Mary sits behind. Now, I bring that up because real briefly, I want to encourage you. God loves Martha types and Mary types exactly the same. And what I have found is that just the way Martha, who's busy and she's a go-getter and Mary's a little bit more reserved and quiet, I have found that Martha's think only really people who are like Marthas are real spiritual and people who are more quiet and contemplative like Mary, they only think people like that are real spiritual. But really, Jesus loves both Martha's and Mary's equally. And God wants to grow both personality types up uniquely. I think it's also interesting, in some of your marriages, some of you are Martha's and you're married to a Mary. And I realize that that's a battleground. But God loves both equally. God doesn't have a preference for Martha because she's busy or Mary because she doesn't appreciate busyness. God uses both equally. But it's totally appropriate. Martha comes flying out. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it's amazing. Jesus doesn't be like, yo, hey, hold on. He simply says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says in verse 24, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. See, Martha believed like the Pharisees, that religious group of the day, that they believed in a resurrection at the end of days. Do you remember in the Gospels, the Sadducees, another religious group, didn't believe that. They didn't believe in the, the last day's resurrection. And Martha says, no, no, I believe, I believe that my brother will be resurrected in the last days. But Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is free.
1: Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly, is a book I
0: wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next, but honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information.
1: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, you'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus Is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.